Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this Hello. week I'm looking for Hi, the best Nick. new Barry Award winners, not the ones that were announced about 30 days ago. Some old ones, guys. Right. right. Well, uh, but and- we, we didn't bring like super old new berries. We brought like new-ish. Just yeah. like awkward if you brought it up at a cocktail party. Sure. Like, hey, have you read this book from six years ago? It's like, yeah. well, yeah, I read it six years ago. Can we call this episode Newish Barry? You know, not I New think, Barry Award, but Newish Barry. Joe, that might be probably the best thing you've ever brought to this podcast. Oh, I think that's I, it's nicer. up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, really good stuff. To help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. I'm Joe Holshu. I'm a high school English teacher. It is summer. I just thought I would throw it out there, and it's just as good as you remember, guys. And if you're looking for a newish Barry Award winner to read this week, I recommend When You Trap a Tiger from 2020, written by Tay Keller. It's got a magical tiger in it. That sounds great. Abra, Nick. Kadabra, Joe and Abracadabra to all of you lit heads out there today. I brought a Newberry Medal winning book called The Girl Who Drank the Moon. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Here's a weird thing. Joe, your book is written by someone named Keller. Mm -hmm. Tay Keller. My book is written by someone named Kelly Barnhill. It would be better if it was Kelly Taylor, but Kelly Barnhill is like Kelly Taylor. I think that we might be determining this is published in uh, 2017. It won in 2017. We might be determining that this is the the bias. They only let people with the name Kel. Right. Like it used to be that only like old white men won and like, like, like Western history stuff won, but now it's just people named Kel. I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a, uh, a great opening for the game that I brought this week. Okay. Because Joe, Joe, some of those, some of those statements you made sound a little bit, a little bit made up, a little bit fictional, a little bit fake. And you know, I'm dedicated here at this podcast to truth uh, truth berries, and I, I don't like fake fiction and a lie. So I brought a game called Fact Barrier Fiction Berry, mm-hmm. and um, I love it the already. way this game works yep. is uh, it's it's a very simple trivia game. I'm going to give you a piece of trivia. Nick often complains that our games don't really teach anything about anything, uh, but this <laughs> but they bring no in- inherent value to the show and only waste people's time. Yeah, but good clean this fun. Game. Our games frequently bring good clean fun. So, well, sometimes they're clean. not usually clean. Yeah. <laughs> It falls apart quickly, Joe. Ian, tell us about your stupid game. <laughs> this game, this game, uh, I will give you a fact, uh, or maybe it's a fiction, and you need to say if it's uh, truthful, you say fact, Barry, and if it's false fiction, fiction and a lie, you say fiction, Barry. Okay, this will be yeah. a buzz, buzz in style game, and Ooh. the benefit is it will teach you about the history and the trivia. Oh, that's good. You metal. should have to announce the benefits of the game before you play it. <laughs> that's a teacher teach. in him. It's like, all right, the purpose of today's game class. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's good to let people know why we're doing what we're doing. All right, are we ready? This is a buzzing game. So we are ready. Laura Ingalls Wilder, author of the Little House books, was a five-time Newbery runner-up, but never won the top prize. Buzz, Psst. buzz. Oh, I heard Nick first. <sighs> is this fact, Barry, or fiction, Barry? 
How much time do I got? You have 15 <laughs> seconds. Okay, plus, cool. Plus, it's Let's literally count only it two options. <laughs> 14, 13, 12. What comes after 12? Uh, I'm going to say um, it's very specific, but I think it's a twist. Fiction berry. Is that what I have to say? You do have to say that, and you are okay. wrong. This Damn is it. a it specific, and I... Yep. Laura Ingalls Wilder ran, uh, had a run between 1938 and 1944 where five out of those, whatever it is, eight, seven awards, she was a, an, an honors. She was a runner up, yeah. but she never Man. got the top prize. And then she died. Do you think she had to like sit in the award ceremony like and then they do at the died? Oscars and like the camera panned over to her and she had to like smile and it's crash, happy and for you. It's so nice. Just seething. All right, let's do another one. Let's do All another right. one. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien won the award for The Hobbit, but he turned it down because he didn't want the book to be considered children's fiction. Wow. Bzz. I love Joe. that. Yeah, I love that. I think it's absolutely a fake berry, though. I think that is a false berry. I uh, oh, actually, do you know what? I know for a fact that it is a false berry. And let me tell you why, Ian. Why? Because uh, the Newberry Medal goes to American books. Very and good. Tolkien is a filthy tea sipping. Well, man. I don't know. it's kind of it's who we're alienating. Uh, we this have week is the dozens British. of listeners in uh, <laughs> Europe. Uh, you are correct. You have one. Um, you have one Barry point. Um, Tolkien never. Uh, we don't. We don't know how what Tolkien thinks about the Newberry because he he was never uh, considered. He's a Brit. Never um, invited. Also died. More New Yorkers have won Newberry medals than folks from any other state buzz buzz wow new york versus the field nick i heard you false you are correct you are correct back in baby that's just the game that's just i was out yeah (laughs) um two more yes nearly seven in ten newberry medal winners are buzz buzz Make him answer. Make him answer. Do not finish that question. It's obviously a truth, Barry. They are. Are women. More than seven and ten are women. Ooh, that's interesting. I'll stick with my answer. Nick, this this medal's been around for Nick did buzz. He's sticking with his answer. And Nick takes a commanding lead of two to one because, yes, in fact, this is something which I I think is is really interesting. It says something about um, the nature of Children's children's, fiction, sure. ch- children's yeah. book writing. Um, oh, yeah. There are a lot of Pulitzers guys, Pulitzer winners who are guys, um, but mm-hmm. this is a, an overwhelming majority that are uh, women. Who that won is interesting. The, yeah. the Newberry. All right, last one. Great. All right, here you go. I have to buzz in. <sighs> Start early because <laughs> he might not even <laughs> buzz, buzz, Joe. <laughs> Fuck the question. Oh. The person with the best Newberry record of all time has a really nice smile, and his name is DeYoung. <laughs> what buzz buzz? Um, yes, Joe. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's the truth, Barry. I don't know who you were referring to, but yeah. um, I'm guessing he's like one for one. Wrote one book and uh, no, one, one, no, one. no, no, oh. no, no, no. He's uh, yes, that this is a truth. Uh, wait, Joe, you you guys I tied. Said, so each of you get an equal number of berries, but they're split down the middle, so you don't you, none of you get a whole berry. Um, this is your winners of half berries. Minder DeYoung uh, was an honors was one uh, uh, Newberry honors five times and won the medal once. He was very prolific, and his smile is grandfatherly. What is his name? Who is this? Minder DeYoung. Minder when did the Newberry Awards start? 
that sounds like a name from the 1700s. <laughs> is this Ian? Is this a relation to you? You're, I, I mean, let me point out here. Your last Any name relation, is Ian? Disappointingly, I cannot get on those big, sweet uh, Newberry bucks that Minder must have pulled in. He was he was uh, originally originally Dutch, but he moved to America, and that's why he was eligible for the Newberry. Um, he wrote a book called The Little Ark. Oh. He wrote a book called The Wheel on the School. He was kind of one of these big names, and he just kept on churning them out. There's a lot of interesting trivia about about um, the Newberry. One, another one that, which didn't make this game is that nobody has won the medal three times. Wow. Six people have won twice, but there is no three-time medalist. Well, welcome, Lidheads, to You Don't Know Lid, a weekly, or as we call it, strongly podcast, where every week we pick a theme, or you do, and two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe, bring book recommendations, and just to upset one of them, we pick a winner, and it works. Gentlemen, mm-hmm. are you prepared to hear the rules? I I can get prepared. What, what does that involve? I'm sitting. Do I um, need a safety harness? Yeah, just listening is fine. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe, and rule number three, only winning matters. Uh, Joseph, do you want to take 30 seconds and tell me uh, everything about your book? Yeah, Nick, I'd be happy to. Nick, I have a question for you. Would you make a deal with a magical tiger? No. You don't need to answer that question. Yes. And it was no. also for Nick. So, Nick, when Lily and her family move in with her sick grandmother, a magical tiger straight out of her Hamani's Korean folktales arrives, prompting her to unravel a secret family history. A long time ago, Hamani stole something from the tigers, and now they want it back. When one of those tigers approaches Lily with a deal, return what her grandmother stole in exchange for Helmani's health, Lily is tempted to agree, but deals with tigers are never what they seem. 300 pages written in 2020. Nick, I'm going to be straight up with you. I finished reading this book about 10 minutes before we started started recording, and I still have tears in my eyes. It's, it's a tearjerker. He's emotionally fresh, Lynette. <laughs> You're going to, okay. The podcast is moist with his tears. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Okay. <laughs> this is, so this is, um, yeah, probably, probably a metaphor. Probably a metaphor. Ian, do you want to take we'll 30 seconds out. to tell yeah. me what your book yeah, is yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you give a five-year-old magic powers, she's going to turn your friends into rabbits. And if she turns your friends into rabbits, she's going to need someone to unturn them. This is the core conflict of the book I brought this week, The Girl Who Drank the Moon. What if the chosen one really, really doesn't know how to use their powers? This is a fantasy chapter book. It blends deft world building, familiar tropes, fresh subversions of those tropes, and found family themes. It's a book I found somewhat unputdownable. I'd like to donate the rest of my time to Doctors Without Borders. (laughs) I don't know if that's funny. Um, So Tiger and um, Magic Girl Rabbits. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Probably the tiger. I want to get some of that emotion, Joe. Do you think you can yeah. get, make the show go viral? Get some emotion into the oh, show. Ooh, could you like scream cry. and cry? Yeah. I don't just know. have a mental bre- have a mental breakdown. Oh, hey Nick. Maybe. Hey Nick. We're mocking him, and I think he's actually feeling emotions. This is yeah. a first for Joe. No, well, yeah, we got to push him towards the edge, before. though. I'm yeah. not the tin man. <laughs> This book is, it's weird. Um, It surprised me. It's a book that took me a little while to get into, but once it had its claws into me, I was, Mm, I was hooked. uh, Well done, well done. Thank you. I'll cross that off my notes. Um, It's going to be all tiger puns from here on out. Um, So uh, this book is about a a girl, um, a 
kind of a, a mixed race Korean girl, right, moves to California to live with, um, we don't know this at first, but her dying grandmother, right? Like she, her mother and her sister moved back to California. Did she know it at the time when she moved? Um, well, it, okay. It's one of those things where like it is told through her perspective and she okay. certainly doesn't say this, right? So it seems like they're just moving back to California. They're just living with grandma for a while. And then we figure out as they're living there, mm. oh, Grandma's not doing so hot. How mm. old is our uh, protagonist? Yeah, it, um, so it's never explicitly stated, but she seems like she's like middle school aged, like seventh grade, eighth grade. She's got an older sister who's like a little too cool, who's see, like just has her driver's license. So this girl's probably 13 years old, 12, 13 years old, I would say. Is 300 pages, is that a lot? For, it feels like a lot. How like yeah. who's, your, who's, who's, our, lot? who's our, uh, our our audience here? Yeah, okay. That is one of the questions that I have for this because the book does feel a little long, right? 300 pages feels like a lot for a seventh grade reader. I will say though, like when I was looking at other newish Barry books to read, it wasn't totally out of the realm of it wasn't totally out of the realm of like the the length that these things end up at. Um, I went to read Neil Gaiman's The, the Graveyard Book, and it's like seven hundred pages long. Are you familiar with no, this? No, that's that's not accurate. That's, what? What's the font? Have you read? No, no, it's not. What point okay, font? But, no, it's well, tiny. The graveyard. No, what? Oh, maybe, maybe it's seven pages, Joe. Maybe seven D pages. No, I thought it was really long. Like that's why I didn't bring that book this week. How? long is we're gonna get to the bottom of this the great right. <laughs> the best part of this show the live googling it's uh-huh. happening ladies and gentlemen 368 pages in paperback according to the graveyard book amazon.com uh, what was your point <laughs> these things tend to run long i I, I don't think it's weird for a newberry winner to be a so longish book newberry for a kid to read newberry books aren't just for babies is what you're saying well okay that's the weird kind of I don't want to say conflict at the middle of like these these books, but like Newberry books do feel like a a special breed of book. Um, the Newberry is given every year, Nick. I I, I looked this up, uh, so I did some googling before the show. I don't do all the my googling on the show. <laughs> Two it, minutes before the show starts, <laughs> <laughs> it is given to the most distinguished contribution to American literature for children. Right, that's their phrasing. The most distinguished contribution to American literature for children, and it's chosen by a panel of librarians. Um, it's it's been around an awfully long time, and it's because it has like these librarian gatekeepers and because it has that big word literature in it, truth, truth, bar- truth buried, truth keepers. Truth yes. keepers. Sounds a little Republican when you say truth keepers. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you tend to get books that are like, I think, aspirational, like books that are doing pretty interesting things, books that aren't um, necessarily like other books written. They're not going to be like the, the 46th entry in a 500 500- 500 book long series. Yeah. And they tend not to be books that I think are like popcorn books, right? Like they aren't like necessarily fun light books. They're not like formulaic. Like they kind of are, are doing something interesting. I just went through the list. Um, and I, like some of the winners in the past are things like a wrinkle in time, uh, basically for Frank Weiler, bridge to Terabithia, maniac McGee, Shiloh, the giver, right? Like holes. These are all books that like, they don't feel particularly childish, right? They are books targeted for children that often deal with big ideas, like yeah. big themes, big ideas. Okay. Big holes. I, I, yes, yes, I will buy it. 
but even when they're downers, they're not downers. This is the same way yeah. like adult adult literature, capital L literature mm-hmm. can be. My like <laughs> I, I would agree with you on a lot of these, but they seem to have hope. Hope. Yeah, right. It's not going to be as grim as bleak, even when you know you've got main main yeah. character has cancer or whatever. It, there's going to be something redemptive at the end. You're not going to have. Yeah. And then everyone died because of the carelessness of. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I 100% agree. <laughs> like you would from if an older person wrote it. Yeah, right. <laughs> like you would in the books that we brought from Pulitzer a couple weeks ago. So girl moves back with grandma in California, finds yep. out that grandma's dying. At a certain point, a magic tiger comes and visits her and is like, hey, <sighs> let's make a deal. This right? is already a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is this um, a coping tiger? Mm, good question. Ian, Ian buzzed in first. Is this okay? How does she respond to this tiger? Is this is this like? I guess what I'm trying to get is. Yep. Do we have? Is this friends? wacky shenanigans? Is it? Nope. She makes peace with it, and pretty soon we're like into. Okay, we'll go with this. Um, is there any sort of realistic? Yeah. Why is this tiger making Joe, did, a deal? Does she ride the tiger? No. Okay, so she does not ride the tiger. Oh. If that's important, um, she does follow it to other locations from time to time. Like she walks behind it, drives behind it at one point. Um, how does she respond to this tiger? Well, here's the thing: she's been warned about tigers. Like her oh. grandmother has warned her, "Hey, if a tiger ever tries to make a deal with you, do not make a deal with tigers because they are duplicitous. They are Classic. sneaky." Grandma, classic grandma thing to say. Classic grandma behavior, right? Like tigers are sneaky. Tigers are tricky. Do not make a deal with a tiger. But the thing is, is like the thing that the tiger offers her is, hey, do you know your grandma that's dying? Um, I could maybe help sort that out for you, right? Like I could maybe take care of this for you. And the girl makes a deal. I mean, it's an offer you can't refuse. It's an offer you cannot refuse. Who's the author? Um, so honestly, don't know a Just ton about her. Yep, t- yeah, not her, sure. Didn't yeah, get to no, the author. Well, no, her name is Tay Keller, a children's book writer. Um, she won the she won a Newbery, and now she's like, yeah, this is all I do now. I just write books that win medals, and uh, I'm good. I'm really yeah. curious. Um, really curious what effect this has on your career because I feel like a lot of the Newbery winners that I've learned about probably pretty significantly. Well, you don't get any money. It's not a monetary but, award. Yeah, but you're going to get money. Yeah, you're you don't get, get money any from money publisher. except they sell a trillion of your books right. then. The point I'm trying to make is if you want to make money as an author for grownups, mm-hmm. you need to be, you need, like, if you don't want to make serious money, you need to be one of the, the popcorn writers. You can't be, like, you're not going to make serious money as Iron Diaz. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Well, this Probably. isn't a finance podcast. Do you know, I know. like, you know, I'm just curious. I'm just curious whether children's literature is more forgiving to ask here. I yeah. think it's color yeah. up. <laughs> you're, you're on. You don't know finance. <laughs> Stupid. How much more can you tell us without boiling this? Is this just read like a kind of a when you get to the end of this book? Does it kind of unlock a lot of things about what the tiger is and what it means to her vis-a-vis Secret Life of Pi? Yeah, okay, so... Which one came out first? Oh, good definitely question. Uh, Life of Pi. Um, not Secret Life of Pi. <laughs> Life of Pi definitely came out first. Yeah, so 
This tiger is a weird outlier in this book because this book is it, it, it does what so much like kids lit does so well, which is here we have a, a conflict between kid world that our protagonist lives in. Right. This is a world that's full of like magic. And she talks about how invisibility is her superpower, um, like how her grandma is like a witch and adult world and like the sadness like the adult world stuff in this is really like sad heavy adult world stuff um i think a lot of times in books especially in books targeted towards middle grade middle grades which i think is what this would be classified as it a lot of times in books targeted towards middle graders the scariness in it feels cartoonish right like the scariness in it doesn't feel like it, it feels cartoonish. I, it I don't doesn't know how to respect say it the, the reader. Right. Like it's there as an obstacle that needs to be overcome. Yeah. One of the things that was super interesting about this book and one of the things that I think gets it on this short list for this is the scary stuff in this book is terrifying. Right. Like like when I read this book, it is big heavy scary stuff. Right. Like it is stuff that makes me sad. It is stuff that feels heavy things for like me. Death. Joe. Yeah. I, like things like not only is my grandma dying, but she also is uh, has dementia in this book. And there's like a scene where the family goes out to um, a, a restaurant. Right. And grandma has an episode in the restaurant and makes like this mortifying scene, you know, where she's um, walking around, taking food off other people's plates, you know, like like smashing plates, like really going over the top. And you get the, this through the eyes of this 13 year old girl. And it is a mortifying Right. And be heartbreaking as they like hustle the whole family out of the restaurant. Like it feels real. It feels heavy. And but it's also a book in which like there's a tiger that tells stories sometimes. Right. Like it's very strange. Like when we have these tiger chapters, right, when we like the tiger enters back into the story, it's compelling in a way that the rest of the book, um, I don't want to say isn't but like because the rest of the book is compelling, but it is literally compelling in a way that the rest of the book is not compelling. Right. Like, it, no, it, I mean, that didn't make sense, way. but I think yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's a totally different mood shift. It's a totally different. It's a yeah. totally different change. There's also this weird thing that happens to you in this book where like because you get this through kid world and because you get this through our narrator's eyes you're not sure if the tiger is real or not the whole time like it really doesn't seem real like it really seems like this is just like this fictional thing but also like she interacts with it in ways that are like well wait a second how if this tiger isn't real what is she doing right now like what what does this actually look like really (laughs) really (laughs) like Like you think the tiger's real, though? Is that do other people think that, Joe? (laughs) I, you know what I I mean? This is what I would say. There is enough kid world in this book that you like doubt it, right? Like, like she does not ever allude to the fact that like, "Eh, yeah, I saw this tiger, but I'm not totally sure. Like she is bought in, like she is talking to this tiger. And because she is your narrator, because she is your point of view character, like you are kind of on board. Do you forget kind of? Yeah. Well, and not only that, the tiger is such a important narrative device in this, I guess, like it, you know, it, I guess, how do I say this? The tiger has to be there. Like the tiger is a vehicle that gets us towards the end of this novel. So like real or not, um, you're on board. Why are there so many fictional or questionably real tigers? Yeah. Mm, Visa V Secret Life of Pi. Specifically this, Secret Life of Pi. 
Seeker mm-hmm. Life of Calvin Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. is, the, is the tiger a symbol for something in in well, some in uh, Jungle Greek, Book? Greek? Well, no, the tiger's okay, not. Mean, the tiger's not imaginary in Jungle Book. The tiger <laughs> is like straight up. Well, it's, it's hard to say. Oh, it's I, real, just like in Joe's book. The whole Jungle Book might be imaginary, guys. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I, I I just I think it's interesting. Um, well, I and, wonder- and here, and this is um, something I don't want to. Or I, I don't have a lot to say, but like I think. I get the sense reading this that like the tiger, like like the tiger being a representative of whatever is like a very much like part of the Korean culture background that comes uh, into this, right? Like so this is a very, to, yeah, yeah th- like this book is very like Korean. Um, Nick, you asked about the author. I said, hey, well, I don't know a lot about her. Yeah, you I do, I do know that she's mixed all. race. I do know that she's half Korean. I do know that she grew up in Hawaii. And I do know that oh. this is at least partially like um, her writing about her heritage in a way that is that oh. is um uh, i guess so i just assumed that asking what the tiger meant was an enormous spoiler is it her like culture is what you're saying no that's not what i'm saying and it's also oh. not what it is yeah oh okay but i think i think it's like a common symbol like she talks about how um in you know how like we start all of our stories like once upon a time <laughs> that's how right? i start every story <laughs> every story i tell i also start once, once upon, upon a tiger time. Apparently, she says in the book that like the way that Korean folktales start is a long, long time ago when Tiger walked like man. Right. That's like how you begin a Korean folktale story. A long, Mm. long time ago when Tiger walked like man, this thing happened. Right. So the tiger is very much like a Korean symbol in this. Did you like this book, Joe? I thought it was just incredibly well done. I, I thought it was cool. I thought it it hit me in the emotions, right? Like I thought it was crafted incredibly well. Um, it did this thing, and may, this may be the last thing I say here, that nice. I think is super impressive because a lot of times when we think of literature, right? Like capital L literature, we think of like big, fancy, complicated books, right? I, I happen to be reading about this and the, the Lexile, not that that means anything, but it just means like, how easy is this book to read? The Lexile score of this book is like in the 500s, I want to say, which is so low, right? Like it's such an easy book to read, but it accomplishes like big things with simple language, big things with simple structure, big things with simple, with, with small words, big ideas, small words, Nick. How yep. secret, how secret is the secret learning? Oh, how secret? I, it, I mean, I assume there's, there's learning. Yeah, there's learning. Um, it's relatively secret. The the Korean culture stuff is not so secret. Like it's it's interesting. Like it goes through the the things that they do like before mealtimes and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's that's neat. The biggest learning though comes from I think like the big themes, the big ideas, like the ways that we deal with grief, the ways that we deal with um with loss, things like that. Um, and that's the part of this book that really ultimately that got me. Right. That's the part of this book that had my eyes misty as we logged in, uh, as we logged in today. We have a listener recommendation. It's called Why Fish Don't Exist. And I think we should read that next week. What do you guys think? I think that'd be lovely. Great. I've already read it. And you've already read it. Oh, that means I was on vacation a lot of time. Boy, I have some thoughts. Oh, I'm excited. Well, I'm going to read it this week or, or, you know, parts of it or whatever. There's a podcast called No Such Thing as a Fish. Is is this related? No, we don't. We don't promote other podcasts. Okay. Uh, There's there's a British listened. Our listeners might learn the facts. 
Presumably, the only thing keeping them here is that they're unaware that they other didn't podcasts know there were exist. other podcasts. <laughs> why other podcasts don't exist? Yeah, let's cop out why fish don't exist. And Joe, sometimes I read books and you don't. I would right. love it if you read the, read this book. I think you're gonna have a very different yeah, take on it than I do. Hundred percent. I'd love finish to. it right um, before we start recording. <laughs> I that's that's how it's best, Nick. I come in fresh. <laughs> All right, Ian, I forgot everything you said about your book, Great. and I'm excited to hear it all over uh, again. Well, I, I remember the girl drank the moon. I yeah. also remember something about turning her friends into rabbits and has to get somebody to unturn them from rabbits. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Rascally ones? Uh, no. Rabbits, um, in this book, when you get turned into an animal, you kind of stop remembering you're a human. So you got to be turned back, and the parts of the animal will, will stay. So you'll, you'll, they, the people who get turned into rabbits, Love carrots for a long, long time. Ian, they don't know why. Yeah. Ian, I'm, Goodre- I'm doing this poorly. Go ahead. What does Goodreads say? Ian, Goodreads um, is broken. So I'm going to read you a two-star review. <laughs> oh, two, two stars? Wow. Yeah. I've been done with this book for a couple weeks and wasn't sure how to write this review. I thought about just throwing a three or four-star rating down and being done with it. But I feel like I owe it to my friends that have similar tastes, to be honest. I want to love this book. The cover was gorgeous. The writing was gorgeous. Mm. And so that's why we don't read two-star reviews. Um, not much, <laughs> not really interesting. Or, <laughs> at all. The it middle was of just the back. A, yeah, it was just like, why even? Wow. I don't, like, what a waste of this person's There's time. There's no like, drama there There's at no, no, you know, I've um, been, yeah. Yeah, so, this is, I disagree. Was it, Tell us about the cover art, I guess, is where I'd like to start. Uh, the cover art's pretty great. The cover art has a girl who is drinking the moon, uh, which I think tells you... Everything I, you need to know, probably. You should judge, you should judge this book by its cover. The, the cover good. art is gorgeous. The writing, it's I also gorgeous. On the cover art, it won a Newbery Award. Now, what do you know it about did. that? Um, I could give you a game called Fact Barrier Fiction. <laughs> there's also a dragon on the cover of this book. Yeah, there's a dragon in this book. So, is the dragon... Does is the it dragon talk to her? The dragon is, it's is all the, Did you think for a while that the dragon was real? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I don't know. The dragon have to symbolizes find... the Catholic Church. No, uh, <laughs> I get that. No, this is, this, topical. Is, this is a solidly, this is a fantasy novel. And so it's got, it's got a bunch of stuff that is just, it's just fantasy. It's, Dragons. You're, you got magic and it is not all like, it's not really will they won't they is it true isn't it's no it's for real it's all for real it's is all for real hands? it's all for real fantasy yep it's all for real fantasy um as with many fantasy novels this book has a quite complicated plot if you go to wikipedia <laughs> and you look at the plot, the plot summary really you'll be scrolling you'll be scrolling for multiple minutes um the basic lines are these you've got a town and this town sacrifices one child one baby every year oh my god <laughs> Real Shirley Jackson stuff. <laughs> it is. It's very how it's old? Very, What's very the age limit? When are you safe? It's a baby, Nick. Oh, a, a baby's a, a baby. It's a baby. Baby less than one year old. So you're oh, looking man. at the youngest baby born that year, right? And and uh, so damn yeah. all those December babies, huh? Yeah. Okay. Right. So so um so uh first Christmas now this yeah that's a terrible way to roll into Christmas <laughs> every year, huh? <laughs> Say sorry. <laughs> 
We got you baby clothes. Oh, oh you shouldn't. No, you, should, you really shouldn't have. No, you. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is our trope of the week. This is well, this is. Well, um, well. Thank you, Joe. This is uh, the, the the trope is powered by a forsaken child. The the city is able to continue. They believe being safe because they sacrifice their kid. And this is a trope which you see. Uh, the lottery isn't quite a kid, but um, it's it's one of these sorts of things. There's a Really good Ursula Le Guin story called The Ones Who Walk Away from Amala's, which does the same thing. Um, so, but, but it works. We learn right? pretty fast. We learn pretty fast that the babies are not dying. This is not a spoiler because we learned this what? probably two chapters in. The babies are not dying. Instead, a good witch who lives in the woods is rescuing these kids. So the good witch, she takes these babies. She carries them with her to other like good, good places where the babies won't be murdered. And as she goes, because she's a witch, she feeds them starlight. Oh, really? Don't good. ask. Don't ask how or why. Shut up. Shut up. She yep. does it. We move on. But this baby, she makes a mistake. And instead of gathering starlight <gasps> on her fingers, she gathers moonlight and moonlight is super magic. -y, and so she accidentally this is the big thing. She accidentally makes a baby super magical. It's a radioactive spider, but but moonlight instead yeah, of starlight. Yeah, basically, yeah, like, basically, yep. basically the, 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 the book compares this to putting a sword in the hand of a toddler. Um, this baby has magical <laughs> powers and the Amazing. baby does not know how to handle it. Um, she grows up to be about five. And at that point, the magic really pops off. This is when right. she's turning everyone into rabbits and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So they have to bottle it back up. And this is where I'm going to stop giving you plot, because what happens next is a nice blend, a nice blend of chosen one stuff and kind of transgression of tropes. But um, she might change the world. She might save a bunch of people. She might, you know discover her power she might make a few friends along the way there might be some it's an adventure yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um but this this book is is it's got it's got like a, a plot that hums that's that's the word i would use the hums moves right along yep there's a lot of yeah it's a very energetic cover sounds yeah. like um so i, I love uh, this i love this nick just kind of continuing to riff on the cover I really yeah, loves i'm, the I'm gonna cover, think yeah. i think that's just gonna be my thing now i think stick. i'm just gonna like uh -huh. walk the lead heads through the cover let's bring mm. some really old books that don't have cover illustrations <laughs> the cover is uh, brown it has some words on the it. cover has the cover cover looks cool but i think i think that the cover under <laughs> undersells <laughs> it undersells wow. all of the cool stuff in this wow. book. If i were that's amazing because this is a really good cover I know, right? <laughs> it's a good cover. If guys. I were a child reading this book, I would like this is this is this is hog heaven for a child. Let me list some of the just the, the you know, like when you're a kid, there are certain things that are just they're just they're just they grab you. Like, yeah, for me, it was lava. <laughs> it was lava. <laughs> lava is so lava cool. grabbed you. I was yeah. not literally. Yeah, this uh, book has just stuff you would love. If you're a kid, you would love it. They're, the main villain her name, she's called, she's called a sorrow eater. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you can't be sad around her. Oh, no. If you're sad, she'll eat no, your she sorrow. No, she feeds off she it. Feeds she your eats sorrow. you. She's wow. the your, villain. No, she eats your sorrow. Um, there is a dragon. It's tiny and cute. There's, as you mentioned, there's a kid who's learning to control their magical powers. There is a swamp monster. Its name is Glurk, and it has six legs. And as I mentioned, yeah. there is a huge volcano, which is going to explode at some point. And lava. So Ian so, really touched into that lava yeah, fetish that he like, has. There's just there's just a lot of lot of fun stuff in this book that if I were a, a a young teen or a tween reading this, I'd be like, okay, this has the things I want.
do you know anything about the author? Not much, except that she didn't think this was going to win. She, oh, um, wow. she's on record as she's on record as saying it's kind of kind of a kind of a sweet story, actually. She'd written four books before this. She didn't really think it had a shot, but um, she right. It was entered and they called her and they told her and, and she told her kids and they were like. The Newberry Medal. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's going to be the real crazy. The real Newberry Medal. They were asking, yeah. like, is it just like a, a fake? No, this is the real thing. And she had she had no idea that she would she had a shot at it. But yes. This is kind of what I was thinking about, about what this would do for your career, because she was not thinking of herself. She didn't have grand aspirations of, I will be Newberry Award winner. Right. Like, like, I wrote I wrote this weird fantasy book about a girl that drank Moonlight, you know, and it's like, well, it's the most literary significant young adult book. Yeah. She was like, I didn't think that people would, would be as into this. I thought it was kind of weird, and I wrote it, and I got it published, and I was like, yeah, well, that's probably it for that. How many mm-hmm. uh, books had she written before this one? She had written four books, so okay. she had kind of an kind of an established like she was doing. She and was this book was definitely depressed <laughs> about her career. <laughs> well, right, saying. like you're you're cruising. Mm-hmm. She's getting published, which a lot oh, of people great. can't say. Yeah. but you know, it, it's it's a hard it's a hard industry. But she she had a following, is is what you're saying? Like she had a career. She, she had so, she had something of a career, but Got she it. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Uh, Barnhill just seems like a. Like a like a mom who writes books. She has kids. And one of the things that blew my mind about the Newberry selection process is like there's a nomination process for it. So like any librarian can nominate a book to win a Newberry, right? But also in order for a really? book to win a Newberry, it does not need to be nominated. <laughs> so the Newberry <laughs> panel can just be like, yeah, we have all these nominations, but <laughs> I want missed one. <laughs> yeah, but the actual answer is it's like how teachers ask questions in their classroom <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> right, we'll take suggestions, but eventually we're going to give you the right answer. I'm sorry. None of you are, you're correct. This is the right <laughs> one. <laughs> Good I, try, I, liked, I like this book. I like this book because it was willing to not answer questions you had. Which seems counterintuitive for a fantasy book. Did we? What is the point of the book? Like, why it's did it a, win? Like, so okay, that's how you set really, it up. It sounds really fun. Sounds like a lot of things happen. What? Why is this possibly a winner? Jo- Joe's was maybe more transparent because it's like the dying, the grandma was dying. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you kind of knew like, it's like, oh, there's a sadness there. That's pro- I bet bit. there's a big lesson at the end. Ian, what was your big lesson at the end? Okay, so so I'll I'll talk about the big lesson, but I think I think part of the reason this one is because it is a well written book. Like, yeah. the, there is a a limited and but the cover, well fleshed out cast of characters. There's <laughs> a gorgeous cover, cover. really yeah. good. Cover. <laughs> um, a lot of fantasy books tend to be 8 billion pages long and have 45 sequels. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Yeah, it's um, annoying. But this, I think, stems in part from an idea that everything needs to be comprehended. Every aspect yeah. of the world needs to be fully fleshed out. Everything needs to, to, be, to be developed ad nauseum. And this, this book says, no, you don't have to comprehend. All you have to do is apprehend. You don't have to wrap your yeah. hands around it. You just have to get your hands on it. So... Here's a character who may or may not be the God who initially created the universe. We get the creation stories. We get descriptions of the character. We're like, they look pretty similar. Yeah. Some books would say, so let's go into a 45 chapter digression about his backstory. This book is like, that doesn't matter to the story I'm telling. What matters is this character where he's at right now. And we're going to, we're going to roll with that. This Uh, is like, um, it's very disciplined. It's a very disciplined book. 
I always think of this in like good science fiction, like movies, I feel like, you know, like when you watch Blade Runner, when you watch yep. like the initial Star Wars movie, like you don't need to know about the universe. Exactly. Like when you see yep. that little vacuum droid go by, it's like it it's an evocative detail. Yep. That's the art of sci-fi is giving them just enough. Just, just enough. It's right. picking the amount that is a right. good enough amount of sci-fi or whatever mm-hmm. And like moving on. Well, and I think one of the reasons that something like Star Wars has gotten a little bit stale, I'll be the first to say it, is because it's like, well, let's dive into every aspect of this backstory. And at a certain point, you're just like, I don't, I don't care. care. Like, I think the idea in my head was better. Like Han Solo is fine as he is. Yeah. And I think related, related to this, there is no sequel. This book does not have a sequel. And I love it. Everybody dies. The book, no, <laughs> no, the, book tells, the book tells a self-contained story and, and to, to the question, to the larger question of so what, like what, what is this doing and why does it matter? Let me, let me rephrase kind of the way this, this book is set up. A kid discovers that her body and mindset and relationship with the world is changing around the time she enters her teen years. What does that sound like? Lame. Sounds like puberty. Is what it <laughs> no, it's like. puberty. This yep. is like a. This is like a. This is like a, oh, a parable. Yeah. Parable for growing up. My book is also kind of about puberty. I didn't say uh, it in my well, part, but it's okay. also kind of about now, puberty. Now, now right, you yeah. bring it up. I I like I like this book a lot because it is so disciplined and so focused. It's using fantasy to illustrate the real challenges of like just growing up, of, yeah. of being a kid, yeah. of the awkwardness of understanding that you have a, a, a power to change the world, maybe by turning people into rabbits, maybe by saying mean things and knowing how to modulate that Barnhill has kids and you can see that she understands like what, it, what it is to have a kid, like what, what kids, yeah. what kid, how kids tick. I would say this book is not secret learning. It's not trying to teach you a message. I would say it's more like secret therapy. Oh, you no. read this book. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, you need consent. Opening a book is consent to be affected by the book. <laughs> My goodness gracious. You you read this trigger book. Warning. Why wasn't there a trigger warning on the back of this book that it would heal me? This book was going to affect me. I didn't know I was going to heal. I was going to be a healthier person. Um, this book, if you're reading this as, um, say, like an 11-year-old who's like, man, my parents don't understand me and um, I'm, I feel bottled up. You're going to read this book and it's going to make you feel better. If you're reading this book as like a 13 or 14 year old and you're like, things are terrible and, and I don't know what I am. Am I a grown up? Am I a child? Am I something in between? This book is going to help with that. And the message, I guess, if there is a message, is that it's going to be OK. Um, things will be OK. People make mistakes and get through it. So that's the not secret learning, secret therapy. That's the takeaway. And that's why I think it, it may be one, because it does this so deftly without beating you over the head with it. It's not an inspirational message. It's really sweet. I don't say that as a negative thing. This is a sweet book. This big book made me feel good. Gentlemen, welcome to uh, Tiffany's a safe place for you to tell me all the terrible things about your book without it being held against you. I have one question, a special question for you all this week, and it's a yes oh. or no answer. And you got to be honest with me. Was your book for an, for adults? Uh, my answer is yes. M- my answer is 100% yes. Uh, my Tiffany's, which I did prepare this week, I don't always, but my Tiffany's this week was, I loved this book very much. I 
No think compliments it would be a during really Tiffany's. hard sell to a 12 year old. Like it would have mm, to be a special 12, 13 year old. You think this is for really adults? Like, I think. I, do you know this how like week. Pixar movies? Okay. Okay. Do you know how like Pixar movies are like four kids, but four adults? That's how my book felt, except a little more for adults than right. kids. Right. That's what you I start thinking like. about Toy Story. It's like, oh man, that dad is gone. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. We talked about this on our last Newberry episode where there's a concern that these books are being selected by adults. Yeah, it's it's the adult, adult books that adults. <laughs> it's the books that adults best. It's a little believe flawed. Best. Yeah. <laughs> like I speak to kids, you know, it's yep. kind of a hello fellow kids thing. Um, in answer to your question, my book is for adults to read to their kids. This is not a book for adults to read for fun. This is a book for adults to read to their kids. Um, I have nothing to say for Tiffany's. I love this book. I will read it to All my right. kids. I've made my decision. Uh, Joe, I've seen the life of Pi. I want to feel good. Yeah. You lose. I'm sorry. Shame on you for bringing a losing book this week. You should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself. Sorry. I did my, I did my best. Um, yeah. Okay. You, you let enough. down the Tigers. The DJ. Tigers. I did Joe, my book. Litheads, um, Litheads, Joe gave a, another commencement speech recently to his students picked out of all the teachers picked Joe to give a commencement speech and we all streamed in and he did a lovely job. I work with a hundred other teachers in my building and I've been picked twice in the last three years. Yeah. So well, that's pretty, pretty good. good. You could have just taken the compliment nope, way to make nope, it sound I, like a brag. It is, it is a double cannot so. take a compliment without explaining to you why it's actually more impressive than you actually, think. Actually, actually, <laughs> Ian and Joe's information corner. I don't Joe, know why I'm like tell this. the Litheads how to support the show. I'll tell them. Litheads, if you want to <laughs> support the show, you're welcome. I'm going to save you some Joe talk bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you can t- uh, recommend a book. That'd be great. If has you Have you read a good book recently? Share that, Litheads. Or ever. I mean, come on. That's selfish to not share that, that because yourself. then we can share it with more people. We have dozens of fans in Europe that would love to know about that. <laughs> Ian, dozens what's, what's your quote? My quote's very short. Oh, good. <laughs> I think Nick has to go potty. <laughs> Human babies are only tiny for an instant. Their growing up is as swift as the beat of a hummingbird's wing. Okay, thanks for making us cry today, Ian. <laughs> oh, right. Glad you make you feel good. <laughs>